Welcome back to the Rutgers ScoutCast. I'm your host, Sam Hellman, and now I'm joined by another special guest this week, co-founder and partner of the uh, Hodges Partnership. You know him on Twitter, John Newman. He's also the uh, mouth of the South for our vision. So you know him for a lot lot of reasons with Rutgers. John, how you doing? How's it going, Sam? I figured you'd like the uh, mouth of the South reference. Yeah, I I like that reference. That's pretty cool. You know, uh, you know, living down here in uh, Virginia, you know, you have to chime in much louder than uh, all the the core group up in New Jersey. So uh, I like that. I might use that. I think you're my first Virginia guest on the podcast, and being a Virginian, that's quite the honor. Yeah, without question. Yeah, we, you know, we here in the Commonwealth uh, like to take care of each other. So uh, it's good to be talking to a fellow Virginian. Yeah, not a state. It's Commonwealth. Correct. But, John, uh, we it's been an exciting couple weeks in fundraising, and a lot of that is based on what you've been doing on social media. For the, the average fan or maybe the semi-technologically illiterate fan that doesn't use Twitter, tell everyone what you've been up to in helping Rutgers, it looks like, raise about $300,000 since Pat Hobbs' announcement. So, you know, obviously um, the heavy to heavy lifting has been done from January till, you know, the announcement last week, um, you know, as you know from from history, you know, this is probably the first time that Rutgers Athletics has been able to raise that amount of money, which is like $30 million in that short of a period of time. And all the credit there goes to Pat and Sarah Baumgartner and their team to you know, take advantage of the momentum of Pat's hire and then Chris Ash's hire and then go out and hit the road. And in talking with Sarah, I mean, they have been on the road constantly for those 15 weeks. One way that, you know, we can help them is to try and keep the momentum going. And in the past, especially raising money for our vision, I've used social media challenges as a way to just keep people you know, engage, try to get them to, you know, retweet, those types of things. And I would throw in a little bit of money of my own as a way to do that. So this time around, instead of doing retweeting, um, you know, my challenge was starting the next day offering $1 for every new donor to the program over the course of – I started out for three days and then extended it through the weekend. And over that time – uh, I think close to, I think it's 197, so close to 200 new donors to the effort with a lot of them being first-time donors to the program, taking advantage of the fact that there now is in place the ability to donate $10 a month, $25 a month over five years. And it's really following the model um, that a lot of fundraising has done the amount is obviously always important, but what's really important is making that commitment and even at those lower levels making that commitment. So very quickly over that period of time, about 200 new donors, more than $300,000. Obviously, not all of that 300000 came from my efforts, um, sure. and it came from other things that are going on, but it was really cool to see that the momentum is keeping on going, and we're looking for other ways to – kick in this sort of second phase of lower-level grassroots fundraising while uh, those folks continue to go after some of the bigger money at the same time. 
Now, you have a better insight than the average suffering Rutgers fan as someone that donates the way you do. I, I mean, you talk about the biggest gifts in school history from people, you know, Bobby Brown, Jeff Towers, Greg Brown. But at this point, and I think you touched on this earlier, it's more important to get new donors and people younger that maybe they can only give $10 now, but guess what? In five years, they're three promotions later, they can give more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, historically, um, Rutgers has been a university that has gotten most of its money uh, for athletics from the state of New Jersey. We saw that through the Shiano area era. That's when the stadium was built. Um, but if you recall, the additional $30 million to fill out the rest of that end zone was originally intended to go after donors to get that, and they had to go back to the state. And at that point, the, day, the state said, you know, we're really out of money to give to the university, uh, you know, in that type of way. We've seen other creative ways through tax credits where that's gotten done. So now, if you notice, um, aside from the goal of raising $100 million to build all these buildings, the other goal that was thrown out there last week was to get 10,000 donors. You know, in that first wave, that $30 million came from fewer than 1,000 donors. And Rutgers has, you know, 400,000-some-odd living graduates right now, and to only get 923 of them involved in the beginning stages, you know, is is not a big number. So now it's how many people can we get to give at a lower level or at some level on an ongoing basis? You know, $10 a month is $120 a year, and over five years, that's 600 bucks. You know, that is something that most people, especially who are very engaged and, and want to do something, can likely afford at this stage. And then you sort of graduate people up. But to, to get the database bigger, to get more people involved, to get more people excited, you know, that is as important probably as getting those big numbers because then you have people, then you have a base of people that you can go back to. Now, Pat Hobbs, in his five months or so, is getting a ton of credit, and he, he deserves it. I think we'd all agree with that. But then when you look at fundraising specifically, I think that Sarah Baumgartner is someone that hasn't gotten as much attention as she deserves. I know you deal with her a lot. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I think Sarah's great. I think that, you know, she um, came in during an interesting time at Rutgers Athletics. She had to learn a lot of things on the fly in not the best situation, but what you see there is she did what she was supposed to do in her role was she established a lot of really good relationships so that when the transition was made and we needed to hit the ground running to raise the money, there was no lag time. Um, you know, the people were identified, the relationships were there. You know, Pat obviously brings a, a, a additional level of fundraising experience and a passion uh, to the table um, but, you know, Sarah was the connector, I would think, in, in spending time with her really was a quick study in understanding the animal that Rutgers is and Rutgers Athletics is and some of the challenges behind it. And then by the time we needed to make them transition and really make the ask, you know, there was no lag time in between. There was really a lot of it was teed up for, you know, the ask that need to be made. And, you know, people needed to see the commitment, obviously, and the hires that were made. But, um, you know, very quickly people transitioned from, okay, I'm interested, to obviously, okay, 
I'm going to make the commitment, and in some cases, I'm sure, going to make the biggest commitment that I've ever made. Fundraising is, is more than just facilities with, for you. I think that the average Scarlet Report subscriber or, or Rutgers fan on Scout knows that you're involved with our vision. And people at our vision, Colin Osborne, Mark Sell, Tim DeMartin, and various interns, they work insane hours for not a lot of money, and they do a great job. You watch something like President Obama's commencement speech, and those are the guys that help take care of that. Why, why was that such an important project for you? So, you know, that goes back to when Tim Pernetti got um, the job as athletic director. And the first article that was put out, um, you know, uh, first interviews that he did at that time, that was a project that he was very passionate about. As you know, I am living in Virginia and was grew up a Rutgers fan, but found it hard as I moved around in my career to follow Rutgers sports and to see all the games and to be as involved as I would like to. And it was also, on a personal level, a connector between me and my father. So, I, you know, when I saw that that was um, something that he was, that Tim was passionate about, I thought, you know, given my television radio background, because that's what I started in before I moved into public relations, if I was going to get involved, that was the place I was going to get involved in. About a year or so later, my dad passed away, and I thought it would be a great thing to do in his memory to start donating money to help fund, um, you know, that program. Because, again, that was the thing that connected us in a big way. We would, you know, sit up you know, on the phone. He'd be up in New Jersey or Florida. I'd be in Tennessee at some time or in Virginia. And we'd talk about Rutgers sports. And we'd always look for ways to try and find the game on TV or online or, you know, back in the days of, like, sports phone. I mean, you know, you're really going back there. So, this was a way I thought that would be great to connect not only me selfishly, but other folks, especially that were far away from, you know, to Rutgers Sports. And the ability to then broadcast games, um, especially in the early days, some of the out-of-conference basketball games, but all the Olympic sports, you know, that was, you know, very important. Over time, our vision has evolved, especially as the Big Ten has gotten involved, where our vision now is much less of a channel than it is a production facility. So while in the past all the games were available, you know, on the app or online for free, now that the Big Ten is involved, our vision primarily now is the production facility that supplies those games to BTN and BTN to go, but it also provides all the, you know, the um, production facilities for all the videos that we see online for all the interviews that are on the website and then get put on Facebook and Twitter. And those guys work incredibly hard. So whether it was money for equipment that they needed or money for funding some a position or two a year, I mean, that was some of the things that I thought it was very important to, um, you know, to get involved with uh, over probably a five- to seven-year period. Now, as we wrap this up, I ask the same three quick Rutgers-related questions to every guest on this show, but I have I have four for you this week. I, I guess, okay. John, I'll start I'll start by asking you who your favorite Rutgers athlete is in history that you remember. Uh, mine uh, really it goes way back to I was a sophomore in high school during the '76 undefeated season, and I grew up watching Phil Sellers. So, you know, he. I actually had some heated arguments with Steve Politi over the last week when I saw 
him rank still so low in the top ten. Um, but to me, he was a you know transcending uh, uh, personality in Rutgers sports history, and really put Rutgers sports on the you know big time map at an early stage. Everyone has a favorite memory at Rutgers. What what would you say yours is? Yeah, the Louisville game uh, in '06. I remember um, taking my uncle to that game and spending an hour after the game just watching everything happening on the field and wondering if we really saw what we just saw, as the uh, as the saying goes. So that you know, that's as big as it gets for us. As someone that doesn't necessarily get to Rutgers as much as I do, if, if you get one meal on campus, what's your go-to? Uh, I, uh, you know, love the fact that Stuff Your Face still exists because I was there when, um, nah, I didn't meet him, but as, uh, as lore goes, when Mario Batali was like a suit, you know, I don't even know if you're a sous chef, was making, uh, bullies in the back, so to speak. So, you know, that has a romantic place for me. And, and most importantly, uh, this Sunday night, I will be, uh, at the Prudential Center, proudly in my purple Bailey shirt, watching WWE Extreme Rules. Am I going to see AJ Styles in the club win the title? No, I you know I don't think so. I think what you will probably see is Roman Reigns hold on to the title, but get destroyed uh, after he wins, and maybe a special guest star uh, who has never appeared before. Uh, reunites with the club in order to make that happen. I would love to see the demon. Well, I know that either way, Rutgers is going to be getting about five commits on Sunday because I won't be there to cover it. Of course. It's it's, it's Hellman's rule, so to speak, right? It is. Well, John, before we let you go, where can people find you on Twitter and anything else you'd like to uh, promote? Uh, Twitter, it's at J-O-N-N-E-W. And uh, you know, the only thing I'd like to say is if you haven't given, even at the lowest level, you know, go to the new website. It's really easy to donate. They made it a lot easier than in the past. And if you can give 10 to $20 a month for five years, you know, that will be a great way for you to get involved and support Rutgers Athletics. All right, John. Well, thanks for the time. Thanks, Sam.